You're listening to the Pitch Stack Podcast. All right, welcome to the Pitch Stack episode 27. The first episode after Nationals. Matt is yes, back. Yes, sir. He went on a journey. I he lived. He lived. Uh, he battled really well, actually. Um, you made day two of the call-in, correct? No, I did not. Oh, he came very close, though. <laughs> I, I did. I, I, got, I got close. That's the best I could say, is I got close. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. It looked really fun. Um. Almost everybody I know that went uh, did worse than you. <laughs> so it just uh, it seems like uh, it seemed like you had a good time. I know a lot. Yeah, of no, I mean it. It was fun. My my games were good. Oh, right on. The um, I don't know. It was the coverage was weird uh, for this one. I don't know. Like just uh, from watching it from home, they definitely like they needed a lot of segue stuff. Like it was a lot of like, here's a 45 minute round followed by like 18 minutes of a round we showed you yesterday. And then we're going to cut it off abruptly. And that like yeah. kept happening over and over again. I actually haven't not had a chance to see any of the coverage. Um, it'd be interesting to go back and to go back and watch some of it. Um, nobody I know uh, went on camera. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so either. I was like, uh, I was looking for people from locals on camera, and I'm pretty sure none of them made it. No, that would have been nice though. I wonder what, how they uh, what their uh, criteria was, but I do know that. Um, oh gosh, I wish I could remember who it is because it's like a ranked semi famous player. Um, but they like followed a guy for the draft. You know how they do that with the Magic Pro Tour sometimes, or it'll be like, this is we're watching like the draft from the perspective of Ben Stark. Um, mm-hmm. and they like show what cards he takes or whatever. So they, the guy that they did this for, I'll have to look it up. Whoever it was, um, pack one, pick one flame scale furnace. Um, <laughs> yeah, builds an awesome Dramai deck. Uh, and then, you know, we go, we see him in round one, he gets blown out of the water and he loses 19, nothing. <laughs> it was just, it was really anticlimactic. Yeah. Can imagine, especially after seeing something like that. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, right. I mean, at least a good way to top your uh, top your tournament, uh, or not top your tournament, but uh, you know, like uh, a cherry on top. If you happen to not make uh, day two and that's at least you happen to get like a nice cold foil flame scale. Yeah, right. That'll pay for your Airbnb. <laughs> there you go. The uh, I don't know. So. Icelander wins. Um, yeah, it seems like that uh, that kind of surprised me a little bit, but I don't know. Maybe maybe not surprise is the word I'm looking for, but like I, it's more like I expected another hero to not to win. Yeah, I but, did as um, well. You know, I was kind of like expecting either Oldham or Briar, if I'm being totally honest. Um, I knew Icelander was definitely going to put up a fight, and I expected to see Icelander in top eight. Uh, but to put out such a great performance like that, that's pretty surprising to me. Yeah, um, it was a pretty weird Icelander list, too. Um, I guess, I mean, it was there was a lot of stuff that like you would expect in an Icelander list, but uh, mm-hmm. 
surprising amount of just regular attacks. Um, well, I think the, the idea is that um, you're always going to be lower than your opponent, and then a card like Scar for Scar is just free. I mean, like in draft, whenever I see Scar for Scar and I'm on Icelander, that's like an instant snatch. You know, it just is a good card. Um, yeah. And then find those fighting spirits just to keep popper in the format right now. And if you're behind against a deck like Dromai, uh, it's going to be an easy way to kind of pop and gain some life. Um, each yeah. strike is just a, a very clear, uh, clear starting point for having a, a small aggro package in a deck like this. Um, each strikes kind of been that been that card other than like nourishing emptiness for like non attack decks, which this deck couldn't really pull off because it has a handful of attacks. But um, but other than nourishing, Enlightened Strike is the kind of de facto attack card for non attack decks. Yeah, I yeah, it was weird. I I think the weirdest inclusion is Wounded Bull for sure. Yeah, well, but when I read it, it I was like, oh yeah, no, I get it. It's very surprising yeah, just, though to begin with. I think I uh, I mean coming in with eight with this deck is really, really good. Um so, you know, they're like sitting there waiting for you to like go off on a turn. And uh gosh, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, they're not bringing any physical so defense. Levels. Yeah, no, and they're yeah. not bringing any physical defense. So I mean, if you get to a point in the game where like life or life is low and you guys are, you know, uh playing with as few cards as possible in your hand to stop each other from dealing damage. You keep a, you block with two cards, keep two cards in hand and send a wounded bull for eight at your opponent. And they're like, Oh, I've got to actually block with cards in hand. I don't have equipment. Uh, you know, and that's essentially, I think what this is, uh, purposefully inserted here for. Yeah. It's really interesting just the sheer amount of cards that give you a benefit uh, for having less life than your opponent. Uh, and it makes a lot of sense. You're starting at 90% of the life total. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. This is a, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool to see like a uh, relatively unique build um, end up taking home Nats. Agreed. And... Um... You know, there was a couple other Icelander lists that were floating around out there. Uh, at least the one in Calling was really interesting. It was kind of funny. And it played against the same uh, trope of not bringing any defenses. There was a Calling Icelander list that was like 7-0, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And it was like running Pummels and Frostfangs, which was hilarious. Oh, that is weird. I, um, I'll have to dig that up. There was also... Uh... Somebody showed up with Young Prism and did real well. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I heard about that. I haven't seen a list, so I don't know if it's just like a meme. Like, I've seen no proof of it existing. It's, apparently, uh, it's a thing. It's still the young hero with half as much life still predates on Guardians as good as the uh, adult one did, which is essentially the, the reason why the deck was doing okay and just didn't cut it obviously because it has 20 health but uh i think yeah. there uh was a, a showing in uh new zealand as well and that's uh for young young prism 
But essentially, the idea is kind of like uh, you get enough auras out while they're focusing on your very low life total. It's hard to not, you know, just attack the life total because of how low you are. And then they give you enough time to set up auras where, you know, you're still uh, like haze bending and all these other things. And then now they have to deal with those before coming to you. Yeah. And it's not Luminaris build either. It's Iris of Reality build. Huh. Which is even stranger. Yeah. That is weird. I'll have to dig up this list somewhere. It's pretty interesting to me. Um, yeah. I. Yeah, that is weird. I don't know. The, the whole deck, I, I need to see a list, I guess, for it to make sense to me. But I just feel like there's too many weak spots. Which, I mean, obviously, it didn't get that far. So, mm-hmm. here we are. Um, so I don't know. I, uh, I, I do think, um, a lot of the streamlined Dromai lists that show up were pretty interesting to me. Uh, I thought those were really cool. Um, I don't know. It was interesting to see these relatively new illusionist builds, um, where they were just kind of like, yeah, we're just going to sit back and make dragons. Um, and, uh, they really like uh, ignored a lot of the traditional illusionist strategy of just like big attacks to try and get a couple cards out of your opponent's hand uh, before chipping away. I don't know. I um, the metagame is very interesting right now, even if like the snooziest decks won. Yeah, I mean it's just a uh, a very odd metagame where like a lot of decks kind of have random like. I don't want to say like folding matchups, just like bad matchups. There's no deck that has like a a folding matchup except for like maybe uh, playing um, Kano into like Dromai. That's a pretty foldy matchup. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, I feel like a lot of decks have versatility into the field. Yeah, I think we're starting to get to a point where there's like enough toolboxy cards Mm -hmm. uh, to get weird with. I mean, it felt like that all weekend, essentially. I mean, I played um, I played side events on day one since I wasn't in Nats. I did two CC uh, side events, so I got to play eight rounds before um, we were before turning in for that day. Um, but actually, that was pretty fun. Um, I went three and one for both of them. Uh, one of them, funny enough, uh, I was distracted after round two uh talking to some of our teammates or not some of our friends um and i hadn't realized they had already started the next event and it was like 10 minutes in and i checked my phone i'm like oh shit they started the event and i went and ran over and i because I, I realized i saw i had a loss i'm like what do you mean the event started already the round started and then i caught the judge before he dropped me and i got to play the the fourth round there you go. Nice. <laughs> With one loss that I gave to for free, apparently. Um, Solid so, recovery. All yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then... Uh, then in the second um, CC uh, side event I played, I played against Dromai, and um, man, I'm going to sound like an idiot, but I got to say it. Like, it wasn't like super clear to me because of the way people have been playing, right? 
uh, just the ease of playing uh, with tokens uh, frequently in Dromai because of the ash wings and the ash and whatnot. It's not something that you like mentally think about too much, especially yeah. in my playtesting. But I I usually win the matchup, but I lost this one. I'm like, but midway through the match, I made a decision to block a, a dragon attack with a six power card because I'm like, these have phantasm, right? I think I should end this turn here by blocking with this card. And that gives me good tempo. I can attack on my turn. And I'm like, I should probably be doing that more. <laughs> and yeah. I realized I wasn't actually I I rare I wasn't even <laughs> popping any fucking dragons anytime I played against Dromai and I'm just like oh man that's my that's why my win rate against Dromai is like 50-50 I feel like that's <laughs> and I'm like so many sneaky wins that way people just oh shit I completely forgot like I could totally mess up this guy's day He's um, like, oh, I've got to, I've got to take like, I've got to take like nine damage and dragon attacks. Man, I really wish there was one way for me to stop all this. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my god. Yeah, no, and it's like, it's funny when you have that realization halfway through a match, and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> so yeah, there, there goes to show you that uh, there's always something new to learn. And then I won the next three rounds, but. Um, but that was just side event stuff and it was pretty, uh, pretty fun. I got a lot of tickets out of that. Um, and then the next day at the calling, I was, I had just like the, my, my deck sacked me, my own deck sacked me and my opponent got just lucky enough. Um, but my round one opponent, I was playing Briar and then, uh, I mean, obviously I'm playing this and I drew, other than my first hand, because my first hand was sick, I was able to set up. Uh, I was able to set up a couple rune chants. Along, I was like pitch for uh, grasp of the Ark Knight, play red rune blood incantation, then play become the Ark Knight, discarding an attack, making a rune chant, and then grabbing a Morgid Tide and arsenaling. So I'm like, okay, cool, solid setup, right? Um, that was like my best turn of that entire game. Because after that, I proceeded to draw like 12 red cards in a row. Yeah, that'll do it. And my opponent had channel my heroic. Oh, no, they had a turn, no channel. Next turn, channel. Next turn, new channel. And then the next turn, no channel. Next turn, new channel. So it was, I just couldn't do anything. Um, and it's then I, it's like yeah, no, it's just uh, terrible joke of the week. <laughs> uh, yeah. The next, the, the, I can't even remember the next, um, the next opponent I played, the next hero I played against. I believe it was, uh, I believe I played against um, Phi. I don't remember exactly, and I beat Phi. Um, and then I, lo- I, I beat uh, Azalea. Um, I I beat uh yeah no <laughs> congrats yeah <laughs> you know props to, props to him man for bringing Azalea he was uh, two and one on Azalea that's impressive um <laughs> and he was one and one on Azalea um it's ruined somebody's day I played against another Briar and won and then I played against uh. 
geez, I can't even remember the hero. Um, but my last two, though, were the most notable ones because those are my last two losses. Um, I lost to Briar, and it was incredibly close. Um, it was just neck and neck. Um, and then my final round, I lost to uh, a Noel Cagle, who is um, on John's team, actually. Um, shaky leaves. Um, and old him. He was on old him. And that was Damn. just unfortunate for me because it's like my worst matchup. I hadn't played a guardian all weekend. Um, or except all uh, all the calling. I haven't played against a guardian, and it was kind of just like, oh shoot. I managed to get uh an early like fat turn in with like, you know, eight rune chance and an amplify the arc knight. And then another turn, like uh, a few turns later, I managed to do a uh a uh, like nine rune chance, uh, ninth blade uh, of the blood oath or attack. Um, got one of those turns in. It just wasn't enough, though. They managed to uh, stabilize and protect their life total, and then they brought me down with uh, good old guardian attacks and domination. Yeah, that'll do it. That's. I mean, it's really they. I feel like that's how you always lose the guardian, right? Is they just, they slow you down, slow you down. Oh, here's a dominated attack. Game's over. Yeah. It was kind of a, kind of sad. I wouldn't say upsetting, but it was sad. It was unfortunate. I was like so close. It sucks because it's like, it's always like the, it's not like you can comfortably sail into round seven being like, yeah, we got this. It's going to be, I need to win this round or I don't got this, (laughs) you know? (laughs) It's somehow always the case. It's like that. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, I don't know. So I, on the whole though, do you, do you feel like you played well into all your matchups? Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I had a few, I definitely had missteps and misplays. I acknowledged immediately. Um, especially in that final round against Ultim, just the putting the, putting the coals to me, uh, I guess, as they say, um, I was just under pressure trying to bank my turns fast because it was a, I needed, a, I needed, I needed as much time to think about my turns as possible. So I needed to play the opportunities that I could fast. And I, I missed like two or three tuna counters. Um, and my opponent was definitely being kind enough in as far as like, um, the small discrete triggers and stuff like rune chance and whatnot, instead of having to be like, explicitly timing my announcement of the trigger, you know, which I have been very good about doing and practicing all weekend, especially during like casual games and whatnot, uh, to make it clear to my opponents every single time I'm playing a card, I'd be like, you know, I was like, here's, uh, Marian sky. I'll, I won't even announce the trigger because it's not relevant. I go Marian sky. And then I go, uh, play, uh, shrill pitching of blue floating one resource. Triggering Viscerai, creating a rune chant, popping three rune chants. We'll resolve three rune chants. Okay, now seven power strolls coming at you with go again, blah, 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 blah. You know, making sure I announce all the important relevant information and triggers. But um, but yeah, no, overall it was kind of just like um I play I played most of my matches like well without an issue, and I just had a couple moments like that with two day counters where I was just like, oh. Yeah, I could have uh, could have done something maybe a little earlier, perhaps, with that tuna counter. 
Not sure it would have won me that game. I don't think it mattered, but it could have. Yeah, I mean that. Uh, it, it's those little things, right? I don't know. There's got to be some way of, and I because I feel like it's such a common problem in competitive flesh and blood, where like people just miss tunic counters even at the highest level of play. Um, nobody's really figured out a solution yeah. for it yet. It's just not focused on it, but it's important to to have that uh to have that memorized i think to have that like kind of um that muscle memory because in magic it's the same thing and it's not even like it's it's coming from the same source every time in in magic it's like a thousand different cards that you got to remember to have triggers in this game it's like well just tunic usually and a few other cards that have start of action phase triggers right i do I do wonder, and this is something that I will probably start doing in the future. Um, I think the majority of problems that people have with tunic counters is they're using one counter. So, like, I feel like if you were to switch to a system where instead of using one die to track your tunic counters, you use three different die, like each one just represents a counter, I feel like that adds a dimension of spatial memory maybe that will make you forget it less maybe i mean i i'd like it if um i mean if it were maybe if it's not an issue that's fine but like keeping dice in front of your hero like not to represent anything else other than just like a stash of dice for you to use right that might help you remember oh yeah i still have two dice in front of my hero that means i haven't loaded my tunic right kind of yeah um yeah i don't know i mean i just feel like it's kind of just part of the game i mean that's like i said you know even in competitive magic i mean you have triggers that your your deck just have normally and you're you're responsible for remembering them yeah absolutely and you know what uh somebody brought me brought up a great point actually and i kind of maybe it's a little bit of a tangent because we're now talking about rules um Colby mentioned to me um, because uh, he had a judge ruling question about something in his games, and I thought that the way he described it to me sounded like the judge made an error. Um, What happened? I'm not sure. I don't know. This is his story. This is his story. So what he was telling me is that, um, you know, he he gives me an example first, right? He says, like... um, if I'm trying to remember exactly the exact wording, um, his predicament was that uh, he was on Icelander, his opponent's playing Briar. Okay. And um, his opponent um, misses a uh, embodiment of Earth Trigger. Right? Yeah. So that, that, that gets missed. And then a couple attacks later, he goes, Hey, you missed your embodiment of earth trigger. And at that point, I think the judge was called. Now, I don't remember what he told me the outcome was. So I know what the correct outcome should be, but he didn't tell me exactly what the outcome was. I, I, I don't remember what it was. Sorry. Um, but he, they explained the situation. The judge obviously. This is a uh, the creation of a dog token is a beneficial trigger, right? So that yeah. would be considered missed, right? But 
they obviously give they they uh, yield to the opponent the opportunity to put that trigger on the stack. Yeah. So then in Colby's case, he would request, and I'll explain to you why, he would request that the trigger is put on the stack. He was like, I do want him to make his embodiment of Earth trigger token. Oh, because as Icelander, he now has a window. Yes, so it creates a window at the beginning of his opponent's action phase the next time they would start their turn. Oh, interesting. Right? But it, his opponent was like against that or something like to that effect. But he was asking me, like, you know, wh- why is it that it's not a consistent, uh, a consistent uh, solution to the same problem, depending on the benefit or the detriment of the ability or the trigger? Right? I don't. I don't remember. It was very. It was very specific comparison of two situations that he wanted me to answer for. And I don't think I could give him a clear answer other than just saying how the judge should respond to each of those things. Yeah. Huh. Because he was like, you know, if uh, I'm just trying to remember another example, like rune chance, you can't miss, right? Um, yeah. Destroying them. You can't miss that. Um, and I guess he was like, but at what point or how, at what point can you backtrack that far back? You know, like, I don't know. It, it was just something I meant. I, I, I figured I'd bring up since we were kind of on the topic somewhat. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I do feel like that is one of the more convoluted areas of the rules right now. Um, I mean, obviously, there's the there's the delineation between negative and beneficial triggers, but like get to things that are like, um, it's like triggers versus like, uh, things that are strictly game state. And I don't know. I, I do. I kind of understand the need for that to be streamlined a little bit better, you know? Yeah. We had, we had a conversation about another rule thing, but I won't get into that one, but similarly expressing our desire for the game rules to have, some additional clarity or like uh you know symmetry among like other rulings yeah that makes sense so that things don't kind of like so that things are more symmetrical in their rulings yeah i mean that uh, that's one of the things i do like about magic is the rulings are very symmetrical and it was very easy to learn a large amount of the rules very fast because of that mm-hmm. um where things uh things of flesh and blood they're getting there but they're not there yet right yeah certainly i mean you know it the the game is still new, but obviously it's it's doing incredibly well, you know. And people yeah. are really, um, really showing you know positivity towards its uh, rules, uh, not rules, its uh, in game interactions and stuff. You know, it's a very yeah. complicated game. It's got a lot of depth. I mean, as shown in our. Uh, our current competitive scene, we have decks that are very uh, intricate and have a lot of different lines and a lot of different testing 
yeah the um i don't know it's uh the game's in a weird spot right now i think um because it seems like to me monarch was so crucial to the identity of this game that with the lack of two monarch heroes for some reason i feel like the game has lost a little bit of its identity um mm-hmm. and i don't know uh, especially, i especially like mm-hmm. i don't know i just feel like I, they need to do something to rectify that with dynasty you know what i mean yeah i don't know maybe just kind of like eras you know the game operates in yeah I feel like we're not we're not quite done with these um we're not quite done with the aria heroes right so no, not at all. We, we will uh, be seeing a lot more elements as we move forward into next year even the elements have not uh forsaken us however i could imagine you know that uh we're not done quite done with shadow and light either <laughs> bolton and levia don't seem to be going anywhere um they it can only if anything <laughs> yeah, go up they, they can only if anything go going up. anywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah no i think it's just showing like strong diversification of like yeah. the elements of the game not literal elements but you know the parts of the game that uh kind of define it um no i think that's, that's sad reasonable. i think dynasty for sure should shake things up i mean to just to continue to repeat the thing that a lot of people are saying about every new set release is that uh, the new set should uh, shake things up. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of like staring at this old him list and being like, damn, yeah, that does look like an old him list. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the one that won the calling. Yeah. The uh, it's it's interesting, right? The um. The Oldham lists that ended up doing very well, um, it's not by a lot, but they are a little bit more aggressive than a traditional Oldham list. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And I don't know. I, in a large tournament, I think that's a big part of it. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like these lists don't run exposed. Like they run one copy of Blizzard. Um, I think it is interesting that... Uh, they run Heart of Ice. That is very interesting to me. Oh, well, the Heart of Ice was a, a killer um, for a lot of other decks. But it's funny you mentioned Exposed in that um, it just feels like Exposed was like uh, the thing needed for um, them to level the playing field against some really degenerate things like um, <laughs> like ma- like mirrors and crowns and then uh, like Skeleta. And it was yeah. kind of just cleaning those decks up. I remember, I remember the um, the hilarity uh, that we had talking about every single time John uh, exposed someone's equipment early in the game. He would like brag about it for like a week. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> it was awesome, <laughs> destroying crowns, footsteps, and shields, and everything. It just it's just fucking amazing <laughs> but um no i don't think it's a, i don't think it's particularly relevant in this uh format and then also it just this deck being aggressive is kind of what it needs to have those legs to push past like aggro decks and be able to soak up enough damage without going to time and actually winning games yeah you know otherwise they would be going to time as badly as they were when the set first released yeah yeah that i mean that makes sense um 
I do find it interesting, like how few Earth cards are in this deck. I guess it makes sense. It's just um, so unnecessary for the kind of build that they're running. You know, they're yeah. there for when you need them. Uh, I mean, three blocks are good, and uh, so tomorrow is just a way to have like five Oakenolds in your deck. Um, you know, and yeah, if you happen wrong. to need the the damage prevention or the three block, Autumn's Touch is there for you, and that's literally just about it, I believe. Yeah, fusing as well. You're gonna need it to fuse that Oakenold. Yeah, we're gonna need to fuse that Oakenold. But huh. yeah, you know, this is um, somewhat reminiscent of um, Tariq Patel's list. The four pummels. Yeah, that is true. The, uh, I got to take an, another look at Tarek's list, but I don't know. It's interesting. Do you think Oldham's the best deck in the format right now? I mean, obviously, put up the results. It's. I want to say yes, but it's it's hard to say. Icelander is still proving to be pretty good, and she definitely had to beat a few Oldhams on the way to uh, first place at Nats. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Well, speaking of Nats, while you were there, did you acquire anything cool? Uh, you know, I mean, I got some sleeves for entering, participating. That's Um, what I'm talking about. Some Dracona Optima sleeves randomly assigned. So there's some people with Tomatai and Dominio ones out there. Um... Somebody mentioned something funny to me um, that the large card, like the oversized card for uh, Dominia, actually says uh, Domin uh, Oh, really? Yeah, Domini. That's weird. Instead of Dominia, which is funny because it follows the same uh, naming pattern for the. Uh, Volkar people, Volkorians or whatever, Volkai. Um, oh, yeah. Like, you know, Tomotai, Optimai, Dominii, Domini. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kasai. But uh, yeah, I don't know if that's do like a. Co- is that a correction or is it like a, a error? Who knows? Um, I don't know. I guess like they. Uh, I mean, on some level, obviously, like uh, you're using Latin declensions, but I mean, I guess like Uvia, so maybe it's a. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised because like they all ended in IA or an AI. Um, so I don't know. Uh, my guess is that they. Uh, yeah, because you also have Necria. Um I don't know. There's definitely a uh, Kyloria. There's definitely a theme to it. I'm sure. Uh, For which sure. ones are an IA versus which ones are an AI? Absolutely. Probably uh, this verbiage, like the the wording. Um, but other than that, you know, um, I did not purchase any cards or anything from shops. I did purchase a few packs just to try my luck didn't really get anywhere uh other than like that cool uh well you know i did get a a first edition crucible of war pack and i opened a rattle bones which isn't the value of the pack it's like half maybe um but you know what it did get me is that uh dm armada and um 
crap, I knew this was going to happen. Shoot. Oh, my Matt God. DeMarco. I feel like a douche. Yes. It's Matt DeMarco. <laughs> I feel like a douche because I keep bl- blanking on his name. Oh, man. Um, yeah, Matt DeMarco, Instant Speed. Uh, they were uh, they were looking to trade some cards. And uh, they kind of just sat down at a table with a bunch of players around with a little sign saying, uh, let's make trades. And they had like a few common cold foils and a couple staple cards, like, you know, like an erase face and, you know, nothing, nothing special. And they're just like, Hey, uh, let's, let's do some trades guys. Anyone's got something cool to trade, you know? And, uh, they had somebody come up just to show off some cool, uh, high end, like fables and stuff that they had. And they're like, Ooh, I'll trade you this common cold foil for all of those cards. Um, somebody did like a uh, a trade for some like promo cards. It was cool, and then I was like, "Hey, I'll trade you uh this Rattlebones first ed uh for one of those erase faces if you sign them, both sign them, and if you let me sign the Rattlebones that I give you." And they're like, "Yeah, sure, for sure, absolutely, I'll make that trade." So that's how I got a. A race face signed by Matt DeMarco and Chris Diamarmada. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Slapped it right into my deck. I dig that. That is a, uh, the, that's a, that's a, that's actually a really cool souvenir. Like everything. Yeah, you end absolutely. That made me happy. You know, that's like a nice thing to take home. Um, yeah. I ended up selling a bunch of my tickets cause I just c- couldn't find anything useful that I wanted to spend them on. I said I sold 900 of my tickets for a uh, hundred bucks. So that was cool. Um, that's actually, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, it's not bad. It's like 11 cents a ticket. Um, somewhere in that, uh, that range. I ended up getting 200 more tickets because after, uh, the day after I lost, uh, the calling or I dropped out, you know, I dropped on the calling. Um, I played a CC plus at the start of the day. And uh, just did awful. Just did so awful. Um, I went like one and three. Um, my only winner was against a new player playing Icelander. And uh, I ended up giving them some pointers and tips throughout the game and at the end of the game um, to help them out. And they were pretty new to the game. And then yeah, I decided... Super new to the game, going to Nats. That's got to be super overwhelming. Yeah, no, I mean... it. You know, she was doing pretty well, at least. Um, she understood, like, what the deck wants to do. It's just, like, you know, timing blocks and when to prevent arcane damage and when to just full block stuff from Viscerai, you know? Yeah. It's like I would come out with, with like, a red Mavrian, uh red shrill, and then she would use her cards to prevent arcane damage. Um, and that just wasn't it. And also blocking early with equipment. But overall, like, after I did that event, um, I w- was able to hop into a uh, a quick draft on demand, which I then nice. drafted Icelander and did poorly and just got my butt kicked by a thigh, uh, and was just made it barely on time to sign up for a uh, charity shapeshifter sealed. Oh, weird. Oh yeah, no, this is interesting. So I played. It was a shapeshifter sealed. It was the proceeds. The proceeds went to the um, humanity uh, something for Charlotte um, society, humanitarian society for Charlotte. Um, 
and it was $50 entry and you got eight history packs and you got to uh, build the deck with your sealed pool using any combination of hero or weapon from uh, the first three sets. Oh, weird. So like up through Crucible, right? Yeah, up to Crucible. And any any rare ones that you open, you can also use. But you you can't just use them. You have to open them. The, the common tokens you can use. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, it was wild. Um, the, the thing I've seen the most, obviously, is for some reason, it's just Dorinthia is the most broken one in that format because you just grab any other weapon, <laughs> slap it on Dorinthia, and you're like, oh, yeah, we're going in twice, baby. <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, there was like Kadachi and pistol fatigue decks. Um, the one dude opened a mask of momentum and induction chamber. So he was playing dash fetching the chamber and he has a mask of momentum. I'm like, ugh, <laughs> it's so gross. Um, I played Dorinthia Nebula blade, which was really cool. Weird. How? Because yeah, okay, I see it. Because you get to play the card first, the non-attack that says your weapon gets plus three, and if it hits, you get to fill your arsenal. And then now you've played a non-attack action, so Nebula Blade gets plus three. So now this thing's coming in for seven on hit, make a rune chant, and you've got your reprise reaction in hand, ready to go. Yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I dig it. That's yeah, no, there was a few other cool ones like Romping Club Dorinthia. I've seen a I've seen somebody just play straight out Katsu with the Kadachis. Um but like your deck composition's so weird. You know, and you use whatever equipment you got. So like I had Helm of Eisen's Peak to get some intellect and block on those turns, you know. I had the I had the legs for Dor- Dory to get that extra go again on my sword. Oh yeah. No, it's it yeah. was wild. But I would <laughs> um had a zap zap was in my deck too just for a little free arcane damage huh okay yeah, yeah. A, i'm like i'm still wrapping my head around this format it's insane no no the possibilities are endless but um i would love to do these in person like at one of our local game stores like for uh like for an armory or something like that. Just have everybody open a bunch of uh, packs and then use uh, heroes of whatever they want to make their decks. Yeah. I'd be down with that. That actually sounds super fun. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's super sweet. So, and then that, you know, I went two and two in that and then got um, 200 tickets. Went and spend that on some packs at the prize wall. And then uh, went home, or not home, but uh, took off for the for, took off uh, for the weekend. So that was nice. that was it. Yeah, I mean that looked uh, it looked super fun. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think I, I I feel like I missed out a little. I'm I'm a little sad I didn't go, but it uh, I don't know. I'm glad everyone had a good time. It seemed yeah. I wish you were there. It would have been awesome. The um. Did you do anything else in Charlotte? I, I know it seems like nobody did. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of hard to find time, really. You got to get up pretty early. 
Um, but like I, I personally, I don't know about anyone else. Some of them came in on Thursdays. Um, I came in on Friday morning. I arrived in Charlotte about 1040. Uh, so that gave me about like 30 minutes to catch a lift and, uh, ride out to the center. Cause I came packing one bag. I didn't stop at the hotel that we had booked. Um, so I came packing one bag, all my clothes and my deck boxes in there. Uh, went straight to the hall and then I got in around 1130, uh, there. And when we left, um, it was around like eight or something. We went to like Buffalo Wild Rings just down the street there. Uh, and you know, everyone else went to wherever they were going to go. Cause some people went there. Some people went to like, uh, a different restaurant like a barbecue place um but we would just wanted to play sneak close by because we were walking to our hotel there's no tra- we didn't transport anywhere because our hotel is so close um or relatively close so i mean <sighs> the hotel was actually like um of 10 to 15 minute walk away from the center it was me colby and uh jeremiah um not the not from down not the one that frequents hey want to play um oh yeah okay okay yeah jeremiah yeah yeah um so yeah we would walk like 12 minutes to the hotel from this from the uh convention hall uh every day to and from so i actually got quite a bit of uh cardio in walking every single day um and around the whole center to whole uh convention center and uh yeah we, we didn't really get out much anywhere um during the uh during the event i mean on day uh on saturday evening um i didn't even have dinner with them because uh my parents live in north carolina and it was my mother's birthday on saturday so they were coming to charlotte um uh, to meet up with my uncle and aunt to have dinner so they came and picked me up and then i went to go have dinner and they dropped me off and oh then um did get to see your family. Yeah, we got some cool uh nice Italian food. Little little mama's, I think it was called. Very, very nice Italian food. Um and we st- we were staring at a Sheridan um, not too far. And apparently there was some sort of golf tournament going on as well. Um there's like uh the presidentials cups or something. A lot of a lot of uh, yeah, (laughs) beats me too. Um, A lot of like preppy dudes and you know just just a ton of people booked at this hotel. Um, And then Sunday, uh, most of everyone flew out back home. Uh, I got picked up by my uh, by my mom because they uh, were going to let me stay at my uncle's place because they're still renovating the house. And I got to hang out an extra day with them because I flew out uh, Monday night. Oh, right so, on. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that was cool, you know? Yeah. Huh. Right on. The, um, well, I guess, uh, I mean, that aside from, you know, the market, I guess that uh, oh. I think that wraps it up for our nationals coverage, right? Yeah, I mean we we covered extensively those uh, the winning decks and whatnot. Um, I just want to shout out though. I want to shout out John Ho. 
Making fifth on Viscerai. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. Keep it up. Oh, right on. Yeah, he, he's the guy who uh, he's the guy who introduced me to the nine troll nine moth. He knows what's up. That's what I'm talking about. Somebody's got to keep those purple D20s alive, right? For sure. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's uh, Carlos's buddy. Actually, he got he got me uh, he got me the list from him. Right on the original one out before uh, ProQuest uh, before ProQuest two, I believe, and I've been working on it uh on and off since changing it up so yeah man good shit absolutely always always well, uh happy to shout out another viscerai main so here's something interesting um as we get to the market and what's going on with it currently um most uh most cards are falling at the moment it seems really? like uh Seems like nobody's really buying cards, um, which I guess makes sense, right? You we're in like say. a we're in a dead period after the giant, um, you know, the giant tournament, and all things considered, um, in general, I guess like really, prices are down almost across the board. I don't think any single card has hit its all time high this week, uh, which is interesting. Uh, that might be the first time uh, that's ever happened since we've been doing this. Hmm. Uh, so with that said, though, uh, nothing really, um, nothing took too big of a plunge. That's another thing that I think is odd. Uh, well, some small changes here and there, very small ones, I'd say. Yeah, I guess just in general, uh, people are buying less cards. Um. Mm-hmm. Which I guess makes sense. Uh, it's interesting to me to see footsteps still holding its value, um, even though it's not seeing as much play in Jermai. Uh, I don't know. A bunch of legendaries, uh, or rather, a bunch of fabled, seem to be. Um, I don't know. Evening out. Uh, actually, Heart of Fiendal, after being in that winning deck, I think is our only card this week that has hit its all-time high. At a uh, two twenty three, which is crazy. Well, as far as we've been tracking it, for sure. Yeah, as, I mean, yeah, as for the last what two months, I guess. Yes, yeah, so technically not its all time high, but yes. Yeah, as long as we have been tracking. I don't know. It's uh, it's weird. I usually I feel like the metagame has a direct effect on the uh i don't know on like the general market as a whole and i think what we're seeing though is just like the metagame is almost too healthy to skew the market if that makes sense um so i guess like everybody that was gonna play any sort of ice deck already had their ice cards uh Mm -hmm. which i guess you would expect to see spike um I don't know. It's it's weird. Uh, I mean, I guess it makes sense though because it's kind of like the biggest tournament of the year, other than Worlds, right? Because that's at the end of the year has passed, right? So we only have one large event left for this year, and it's going to be uh, in California in November. Yeah, around the holidays. So 
pretty much I think that um, only like the most diehards are going to go and everyone who wants to like potentially get in there, the worlds they're going to go. I'm not saying it's definitely not going to affect too much about like, you know, the, uh, the showing for sure. It'll be a massive showing. I mean, it's the worlds that are flesh and blood's first worlds. People oh, are not going to want to miss it. Um, some of us are going to have to miss it, but you know, it is what it is. Um, there will be it's also, opportunities. Uh, yeah, it is in, if you are planning to go to worlds, um, I highly recommend you start making those preparations now because that is the single most expensive area in the United States. Um, yeah, it's not easy to stay there. Yeah. Got to, uh, I don't know how you even stay there. Uh, you just find a <laughs> cool street to sleep on. You essentially you all find a single B and B, and then you book like twenty people to it, and then split it. Yeah, I feel like they pass <laughs> laws where you can't do that now. I actually think that is a real thing where there's like a yeah. maximum number of people you're allowed to have in an wow, Airbnb. Wow, actually, so surprising. If planning on doing that. <laughs> Bad news. May be boned. Yeah. Um. Yeah, make plans now. Like, you know, yesterday now. Um, but, uh, you know, it's... Th- things will start moving back up again once we kind of have, like, a solid idea for Worlds. And don't forget, I mean, Worlds is more than just... is is clearly something new to a lot of people, but it's it's more than just CC, right? This is yeah, a, a, triathlon. a uh, triathlon of uh, your medal as a flesh and blood player. And testing your skills in all of your areas. Card sorting. Just (laughs) (laughs) that would be sick. Card sorting. Oh my god. I would leaving. I would be the double I would be the fucking champ. Okay. I don't know what anyone else would say. I'm the champ. I could get close. I I've been known to sort some cards in my day. Um, both sleeving and de-sleeving and double sleeving I'm pretty good at that I've got some experience that's true the key is, so the real key is like if you do find yourself being your team's chosen double sleever the key is to use a token as a shoehorn to get the inner sleeved card in if you're not using sealed inner sleeve oh that's clever it's clever no you know it's that not it doesn't thing you normally think about you know it's some pretty good tech yeah that's what that's you know it's my signature move um, and the only reason I know about this is because I decided I was going to double sleeve my Edgar Markov deck once. I thought you were going to say because you've used a shoehorn. So, well, yeah, I, I did actually end up having to use like a basic forest as a shoehorn for it. <laughs> uh, somebody on Reddit, they're like, that's the only way to do it. And so ever since then, I've just bought the sealable inners because it just is way less of a pain. Uh, yeah, I see that. I don't know. Yeah. Blood of yeah, Tri is currently priced at $69.69. That's amazing. Um, nice. Shout out to that TCG store owner, right? Absolutely. Uh, let's see. 45. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think that does it for this week. Unfortunately, there just isn't a lot to talk about, which is really weird. Um, well, I do want. There's just a, a last one. Last thing I do want to mention yeah. that we update. They they did update Living Legend uh, leaderboards after. Oh uh, yes, they the did US do Nats. that. 
So it is it is uh with a a saddened heart to remind everyone that Briar is going to be legal for world championships. So uh just make sure you're playing Briar if that's what you're trying to do, because by worlds, who knows? Briar might be the first hero to win that. Yeah. That is actually and, uh, interesting. Visrai somehow gained forty living legend points. Did he, I don't know that sure. Did he win a few nationals? Yeah, he probably won. Uh, technically, that directly corresponds to uh, winning four nationals. Interesting. And old him, well, he won the calling, so he got two hundred thirty, uh, two hundred thirty living legend points plus everything else he's won. Oh yeah, he did. And uh, Icelander having won Nats, 130. Yeah. We're getting there. Um, I just, I I think I'm in a situation with a lot of other people looking at Living Legend right now where just like, obviously Briar is going to happen and then it's just going to get real stagnant. Um, Yeah. I think, I think Viscera will be not too far behind. I mean, he is like, he's still half as close to living legend as Briar, but yeah, it's true. He is only four points ahead of Oldham. Yeah. He'll catch up Oldham for sure. Absolutely. And it's funny, like right behind them is Katsu. Yeah, right. Just from the early days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sitting there at 346 for like a year. uh, If not two. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of just chilling. Hasn't really moved. Absolutely. Well, um, I don't know. I did uh, somewhere. I did see like a spoiler schedule. Yeah, um, they did put one up. February also has it as well. February also has it. Okay, when are we getting our first uprising? Spoiler? It seems that DM Armada is the first content creator scheduled to have a spoiler October 30th. Oh, Lord, please, God, something happened. One whole month. Oh, yep. What are we going to talk about? I'm going to start writing fan fiction. (laughs) Let's do it. You and me. Yeah. Let's start going over the lore. The lore might be interesting. Yeah, right. It's going to be fully voice acted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right on. Well, Matt, welcome back. Thank Listeners, you, thank, you. thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see and you all next week. Oh, if I saw you at, I was just saying, just quickly, if oh. I saw you at the calling, thanks for checking out the podcast. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. Yeah, way to scan that QR code, right? <laughs> thanks for listening.